0: This is the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. This is Josh Trent. This is a special episode. I sat with Sean Wells, otherwise known as the Ingredientologist. His story is so, so deep. He's a brother, he's a friend. He's a expert in the field of performance, nutrition, and fitness, and longevity, and supplementation. He's been on the podcast a couple times. He's been dubbed the world's greatest formulator, He's a biohacktivist. He's a keto authority. He's the best-selling author of a book called The Energy Formula. And Sean sat down with me and interviewed me for a series about energy, about presence, and about connecting this physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, and mental self, the five aspects of our wellness Pentagon that I talk about so much. You're going to love this episode. It's a special rebroadcast It's where Sean and I sat live in Austin. So if you've been feeling exhausted or tired, or if you've been feeling weighed down on an energetic basis, there is going to be some very strong practical tips for you to take home right here, right now on the wellness and wisdom podcast. And by the way, if you resonate with Sean, if you love him, which I know you will go to seanwells.com. S H A W N W E L L S dot com. If you love this show, leave us a rating either on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening. I feel like it's basically Apple and Spotify. <laughs> they kind of dominate the world as far as podcasts. So leave us a review there. It helps us grow the computer robotic algorithms. And also, every single month, we give away $150 in free Organify products as one of our thank yous. So every single time you leave a review for us, you can get automatically entered to win. Just go to joshtrent.com forward slash review.
1: I am here. With the legendary Josh Trent, a great friend of mine that I've known for years now, been impressed by from a distance and then got to meet, I think, at Paleo Effects some years ago. Yeah, four or five I years I instantly ago. fell in love. We had crazy long hugs, <laughs> <laughs> which I am known for. Yes. But, you know, Josh met me with, with full reciprocity uh which is beautiful when two men can you know embrace and yeah and share in that space and ever since then I've had this um friend attraction to you of like wow I like really want to share space with this person that knows how to show up and give and receive love and so I've been doing my energy formula chorus my book has been out um, done very well and and uh, it's gotten me some notoriety and helped a lot of people and I've been on your podcast and that's been a joy yeah but I I want to say one why I thought you'd be perfect and two you can introduce yourself but I believe from a mindset standpoint I mean there's people that can talk you know, NLP and, and icky guy and, you know, all these different things. Um, you know, all of which I'm familiar with, but what matters to me most is that someone's living it and, you know, walking the walk, talking the talk. And I love how you show up in the world. I love the work that you do with your podcast. And I just thought mindset wise, you are someone that I want to emulate and look up to, so I thought it would be great to have a conversation with you.
0: Wow, that's quite the intro. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> yes, and the hugs are great because we exchange oxytocin. We get to exchange oxytocin. And I always approach everything from a mindset, either my, my unconscious or my conscious. Uh, but as you know, from all of our training we've done and, and what science shows us, 90% of how we show up in the world is unconscious, right? And the barrier between our conscious and unconscious is really where our work is. So maybe our barriers understand each other—the trauma we've experienced, the the things we've been through, and, and what all of us have been through in the world—the things that happen for us or the things that happen to us. And I'm I'm sure we've heard that before. You know, it, it's kind of a soliloquy out there, like, "Oh, can you approach everything? Is it happening for you?" But that's actually the work. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you actually experience things that are events that are truly neutral? Even the ones that are really fucking hard. I am not can we cuss? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. Even the things that are really, really hard, can I see them and can I be a cause? Not, be, not I'm at fault. I'm not at fault for the things that happen to me all the time because sometimes random stuff happens. But there's a totally different mindset that I've been trying on over the past year. And it is, wow, how did I actually bring this into my life? And what is the lesson that I can learn from this? And our friendship has been like that, you know, like even seeing you out in the world and you talking about your mental health struggles and what you've been through in the world. I've shared with you my depression and anxiety. So these are all things that, in a way, God, nature, higher intelligence created a vacuum for you and I and for all of us to be the slingshot to be the arrow that gets shot from the adversity from the vacuum of contrast that's been created for us. So, I'm stoked to dig in,
1: man. Yeah. There's so many things that I want to say now. <laughs> uh gosh. It's it's it is an honor to to be with you. And one of the most important things that I do talk about my platform that really, you know, I make money I make my livelihood on supplements, formulating, patenting ingredients. This stuff is really all passion. And mm-hmm. it's because I've you know nearly taken my own life like three different times. I've fought severe depression at, at many points. And, and I know that you battled depression. And what's confusing, I think, for a lot of people is that they think highly successful, good-looking, healthy, mm-hmm. smiling – uh, congenial, charismatic. He's up on stage. I get this a lot. Like, you? Yes, me. And, you know, you see people like Chris Farley or Robin Williams or Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. You see like, um, you know, these people, Chris Cornell, Soundgarden, that like they have families, they're living the life, they're making the money, they're up on stage. They're, You know, they're hugely charismatic, intelligent, and they're fighting. So from your perspective, I think we do see each other on that level. Um, And I even had put up a post once that was me, you know, smiling and, you know, out on like a catamaran and sunshine and dressed up nice and like an Instagram kind of worthy post. But it says, this is what depression looks like. You know, just to kind of frame that up, that it's like, you know, even sometimes when I'm smiling and things are great, still battling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's one of the reasons you might think, oh, the energy formula. It's like, he's got it all figured out. He already did his hero's journey. No. No, like, I've been learning all this stuff because of that. And it will, I believe, always be in the frame I just have to, like, acknowledge it and also see some of the superpowers there. So, to, to kind of tee that up, like, what are your thoughts on, on your struggle with depression? How has it evolved? How do you frame it now? Like, how do you live with it? Is it still a thing for you? Yeah. How do you address it? Wow. Okay. There's, there's many layers to the <laughs> onion you just
0: <laughs> brought to the table. Yeah. Um, that one question we could probably chat for two hours straight sure. on, but let's take it in stages. So my, my experience of depression has been whenever I allow myself to listen to the fears, listen to the stories, and, and listen and believe the things that were told to me or thrown at me that actually aren't me. And so depression is, I believe, the opposite of expression. So if I'm depressed, that means that there is something in me that wants to be expressed And so if I'm not expressing myself, then can I be curious about the ways that I could be expressing myself in a healthy way, right? So depression is a rumination on the past, and it could be um, psychoneuroimmunology, it could be psychosomatic, it could be biological, it could be like a hardware issue or a software issue, but then think about what anxiety is. Anxiety is this focus on the future or a fear of me being able to handle the adversity or the challenges in my future, which is essentially what I believe pointing towards a lack of self-love or self-worth or, you know, not being able to handle it, quote, quote. So in the middle of those two things, there's presence. There's you and I just sitting here, just being here without the worries or the thoughts or the leaves that I call them. It's funny. We're sitting with these plants, like without the leaves that float by and these leaves have these little messages written on them, like remember what happened in the past, careful of the future. Anything at all from either the the collective unconscious or my own life experience or emotional epigenetics, like if you look at past life regression Mm -hmm. work and all that, that's real too. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that you and I have a, a thumbprint, and I'm sure you talk about this with energy with people, everyone has to find their unique signature recipe of supplementation and lifestyle that allows them to have real, true, sustainable energy. Well, the same thing is true for depression or anxiety. We can't stamp a carbon copy treatment on depression or anxiety just because pharmacological intervention says so, or you know, standard PDFs or gurus out there say so. Every single human being is they, they experience, and I have experienced depression because there's a part of my soul, there's a part of me that wants to express itself, but it either doesn't feel safe to, it doesn't have the courage to. Or it feels like maybe the people won't care, like maybe just an apathetic learning curve that they got from their grandparents, their mother, their father, whoever knows, society. And I I go back to that barrier I mentioned to you, because if 90% of how you and I show up in the world is like learned behavior, it's like how we get home in a car, you know, we don't think about it. How could we ever say that depression isn't the same thing? If I'm used to driving home a certain way, if I'm used to interacting with you in a certain way, if I'm used to presenting myself in the world in a certain way, then that's just uh, neurons that fire together wire together. I mean, truly, like we're, a, we're, we're the most advanced wet computer mm-hmm. <laughs> that the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, my depression, it, it's, it's something like very intermittent now and I know how to catch it. And I know how to be friends with it. And I know how to love it. Because really, depression is a protector. Mm -hmm. It's a protector that's trying to guide you almost like bumpers on a bowling lane. Mm -hmm. It's trying to get you to have a life where you're just bowling strikes, where you're just in the zone, where you're actually expressing yourself. But there has to be a, a fundamental, visceral, cellular belief that you're loved, that you're worthy, that you're on the right path. And that belief cannot be faked. You either have it or you don't. You know, this adage of, of verbiage we've seen out there and heard out there, like, fake it till you make it. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's more like my buddy Jay Tita says, is like, be it till you see it. I really like that because our way of being and how to answer, to round out this this answer for you of how is depression playing That's out more my life, somatic, really? Like, it's, it's more of like it. a, yeah. yeah, like, okay, I'm going to be it regardless of my external circumstances, Mm. regardless of the thought forms that I have in the past attached to Mm -hmm. and, and multiplied in my life and projected onto others, I'm actually just going to be something different because I say so, because I just say so not because I should, or I think it might be nice or it's, it's using very direct affirmative language that the subconscious mind can attach to and really be friends with. Because whenever I'm at war in myself, like in my body or the words that come out of my body that creates a even bigger barrier between my unconscious and, and my conscious mind so i think that's a good starting place of like state how, what exactly is depression it's mm-hmm. it's all the structures and bullshit that we've created and that we've believed about ourselves and also trauma too right capital t lowercase t trauma that forces us to ruminate on the past and i think there's a way that you know i'm excited to, to see what else we talk about because a lot of times when i do interviews and i'm sure you feel the same way you learn new things just from your friend or the host talking about it
1: a hundred percent uh and you know you were talking about state change and how powerful that is and that you can as a formulator formulate your state you can change your state pretty dramatically just um you know once you've learn some of these tools what would you say are some of these tools to change your state say i'm going through a depressive state yeah um it tends to be that when you do have depression there are physiologic differences and of course like you're saying neuronally psychosomatically biologically like there's there's things that are taking place but epigenetically it can also be changed very quickly Mm -hmm. on that dna level so we've seen that BDNF is suppressed, the neuroplasticity protein, meaning that your brain is less resilient and you stay locked in loops when you're depressed. We also see that with depression as a state, the neurotransmitters themselves are depressed and, and uh, the hormonal milieu is depressed mm. as well. So not just serotonin, serotonin, dopamine, gaba, norepinephrine, uh histamine, you know, all all down the endorphins, everything is you're just feeling less. So, in your mind, like what are some of the tools that you've used to formulate your state? Like to like go from he- like you re- you said you recognize it mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. you recognize it better, like oh, I'm here. I acknowledge you, depression. <laughs> How can I move through this and change my state?
0: I'll share a quick story because children understand stories and we're all children inside, no matter how adult and responsibility driven you are. The story I can share is that um, when I, in 2019, went way too deep in a psychedelic ceremony, the space was unfortunately not being held appropriately. The medicine was not necessarily sacred or cared for in a sacred way. And uh, it was part of my soul's journey to go and actually have what the Native Americans call soul loss or a psychic break. So I went way beyond yeah, the edge. went through this. It's horrible. Okay. Horrible. I went way beyond the edge um, in the quest for my own growth, in the quest for my own development. Way beyond the edge. Yeah. And it took me two years, 2019 2020, 2021, actually, two and a half years, to really understand what that lesson for me was all about. Yeah. And for people that don't know, when you ingest any kind of psychedelic substance, there's the intention, the set, and the setting. All of those things are, are, are so important, and actually each one is just as important as, as the others. Yeah. So why am I saying this story? Why am I telling this story? I'm telling this story because I actually had to go at 40 years old, and I had to go deep into my own psyche again, and figure out what are all the pieces of broken glass that are pointing towards any depression I have that's existing, anything that's not making me really fit to be a father, because I knew I wanted a son. And my son's 17 months now, love him so much. And, and so at that time, I, I was calling in a son, I was calling in my partner, Carrie Michelle, I was calling in all these things that I wanted, but there was also a part of my psyche that needed to be, and I don't recommend this for everyone. There was a part of my psyche that needed to be cracked and needed to be jostled so much that it would really allow me to get out of my own bullshit, allow me to get out of my what in personal development they call unconscious incompetence. Mm -hmm. Unconscious incompetence, right? Unconscious incompetence is blind spot. So my blind spot was I didn't even know that I didn't know certain things about myself. Number one, I still was struggling with a porn addiction at that time. I still was struggling with self worth issues at that time. Even after like millions of downloads on the podcast, like same thing with you being on stage, like oh Sean's got it all figured out. Like Sean knows about energy. Sean also took his almost took his life. Yeah. Well, we're human beings, and part of the human journey is that we go through this evolution of healing, where it's like expansion contraction. And I learned this from Kelly Brogan, right? And and the greater the highs, the greater that delta too. Exactly. But if we're doing it. If we're doing it in the most loving way, in the most authentic way, I do believe that the refractory periods they lessen. Like the refractory periods of, oh my god, I'm on this roller coaster again. Like the roller coaster doesn't have to be so intense. So back to the story. The reason I'm saying that is because I actually had to go deep into my own soul and my own psyche and get healed by a man named Paul Check, who's a mentor of mine and. He told me when I went to his house, I had had looping OCD thoughts for like two months. I could not even function. I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. And it took me to this place in my own darkness that was so, so painful. (laughs) I could not do what we're doing now. I couldn't use my gift of communication. I couldn't connect with other people because I was just feeling broken. And what he told me when I got to his house, I'll never forget this. He said, you have cords that are connected to so many people in your life those aren't yours to carry anymore. You have to allow yourself to cut these energetic cords of being connected to your mom's illness, being connected to your dad's disassociation. Even in past generations, my uh, Italian side came over here from Sicily and they were treated like garbage at Ellis Island. So, and then on my English side, the, the Trent side, they went through poverty and death and we have these layers that that we bring in and we don't know it in the same way that, and I promise I'll get to your question about state change in the same way that I show up in the world with a unique thumbprint. Well, the same thing exists inside of me, but guess what? Like I didn't create that thumbprint. I didn't create my biochemical individuality that was actually gifted to me by my lineage, by my mom and my grandma and my great, great grandma. And on both sides so what am I saying? The way to shift your state and my go-to thing for shifting my state is actually to go into my darkness so much and just to be present with the darkness so much. And I have a specific tool that I teach in the Breathe program where it's called emotional inventory we can talk about. But to go as deep into that as you can, not be afraid of it, not resist it, not try to like kick depression's ass or you know screw depression, that's, that's the wrong energy. As this integrating shadow, it's act- I mean, yes, it's integrating shadow, but it's also like being friends and understanding what shadow mm-hmm. is trying to tell you. Right, because shadow isn't it not negative, evil. right? Exactly, exactly. Yep. shadow is not inherently evil. It's still you. It's still you. Yeah, right. Like Carl Jung said, you you can't reach the branches of a tree to heaven unless its roots touch hell. You can't you can't have one without the other. If you want to be truly integrated, if you want to be a wholesome tree or a human, so I had to know why was I a porn addict? Why did I not love myself? What was really going on there? Like, what's the actual truth of why that was in me, but I didn't want to look at it? So that's the uncomfortable yet incredibly potently transformational aspect of how to change your state. Do the emotional inventory, go deep into that work. Some people find it through NLP. Some people find it through psychedelics. Some people find it through conscious relationship. But there's, like, there's a way to get down there so that it doesn't hold you anymore, so that it doesn't pull you. Almost like Some people feel like um, depression is almost like you get to the surface of the ocean, you take a breath, and an octopus grabs you by the hand, by the leg, and pulls you down. Like, you don't have to actually resist anything. You actually just have to look at whatever is trying to pull you down and learn from it. And that's the key to state change is figuring, okay, I'm experiencing this depression. I am not depression. I am not depressed. I am just experiencing depression. That alone starts to reframe it. And then from there, then you can bring in the tools, right? For me, it's going into the plunge in my garage. I sit in the cold therapy. Sometimes I'll bring a pillow in there and I'll scream. NFL. A physical state change physic- brings about your emotional state change. 100%. Right, okay. But also, th- they must be done, in my experience, in tandem, mm-hmm. where there's a deep inventory. There's a there's a collective shadow integration process, like you talked about. There's an understanding of what shadow is trying to tell me in the first place. Like, what does shadow really want to, he- to let me hear? Then there's the courage in the middle of, what am I allowing myself to hear? What, what am I allowing myself to actually know that needs a deeper look or that needs to be let go of or that needs to be um in catharsis about and then in tandem at the exact same time i would say uh doing cold therapy is probably the number one also number two is breath work i mean cold therapy and breath work those could save everyone's life right if people would have a practice of just doing specific breath work and specific cold therapy you don't need any of these other things you know maybe from a hardware perspective if somebody has like a a a proclivity or a predisposition to have depression there obviously there's supplements and there's even pharmacology that might be needed at some point but but from like a software perspective man we can we can give ourselves new software which can change our hardware over time if we're just willing to look at the shadow integrate that and then in tandem do cold therapy and breath i know it sounds simple
1: but are you doing it are you actually doing it There are elements there of we can be essentially floating away, right? And like you're getting, it does. It sounds so obvious to get back into the body to regain some semblance of control. Um, You know, even though control, so like some argue, is an illusion, all that kind of stuff. But there is some semblance of at least the influence you have somewhere between uh, predestination and free will there's like this influence that you have over these things that are automatically happening potentially yeah yeah uh with your with your software and hardware and all that but being aware of it is what you're saying and then and then getting in the body through breath through uh the the cold exposure or i imagine even hot exposure potentially mm-hmm. or the delta between the two and then for you, what do you see as far as when that takes place? When you're getting and and also potentially using grounding itself, like literally taking your shoes off and yeah. putting your feet in the ground, right, is a great way to ground, yeah, in a in a metaphorical sense. But like, how quickly does this? Like, what has that been like through the years? What has that process been like? Um, you know, as you've explored breath, like it just sounds easy to, to mm-hmm. oh, just breathe. And, you know, it's like, just do affirmations and, you know, just do journaling. and hmm. But there's clearly like an art there and growth there and yeah. a difference in how, how this plays out. I mean, how have you seen that in your life? That very same
0: ceremony that cracked me open also had a gift inside of it, the gift of my healing, the gift of the looking at the shadow. And at two in the morning that night, I had gone back to my space where I was going to sleep, and I started feeling this OCD coming on really strong. And I knew that if I didn't have some type of anchor, that I may have gone way out into another dimension and not come back. So something within me, dude, I can't... <laughs> I can't explain it with words. It was like a knowing where I just laid in that bed and I just, I put one hand on my belly and one hand on my heart and I just intuitively just started doing circular breathing. Circular breathing is where you inhale through your nose, belly rises, exhale through your mouth, belly falls with no breaks in between. So it would look and feel just like this. Notice how my belly's going in and out, not my shoulders going up and down. And I'm just visualizing, I must have done that for an hour just to like get into myself, get into my body. And all of a sudden I jumped out of bed, I looked at namecheap.com and I bought breathwork.io because I knew I knew that my time with ayahuasca was done. I'm like never again. There was something in me that knew that my time was complete with ayahuasca. And there was also something in me that knew that like something needed to be shifted. And I actually needed more safety. I needed to learn how to create safety within myself because a lack of safety will create either anxiety or depression every time. If a man or a woman doesn't feel safe, right? So I, I bought that URL and I made it my mission for the next two years to just like go to Thailand for a month and train with Niraj from Soma, go to Sedona and train with Gwen Payne for a week, and then train with um, Anahata Ananda, and then interview Dan Brule and just and just start gathering all this information about. How do I live my life well through breath? And then eventually, in uh, right around actually 2020, when the, the pandemic happened, is when I launched the Breathe program. And I, I yeah. took all that information that I had learned, and I, I, um, I had already been practicing the breath since 2016, but there was something really potent in my own healing and creating my own safety that was needed um, at the end of that psychic break. So it was the breath that saved my life, really. And so I just wanted to share that with other people that are feeling like their life is in danger, that are feeling like their depression is like consuming them, or their anxiety is making them feel small. Like, we don't have to live like that. We just don't. But the only way that I've gotten clarity around that is when I have lived like that, <laughs> when, right. when that's actually been a part of my life. So I, I really think that circular breathing is big. It's, um, so there's only two ways to breathe in my opinion, circular or box. You know, a lot of people out there, like, um, who's the guy that does the cold therapy? I'm, I'm blanking Wim his Huff. name. Wim Hof, Iceman, right? He's super popular. The reason he's popular is because he does these, like, <sighs> he's, like, crazy, cathartic mm-hmm. breathing. And that's fine, but we actually don't even need to do that. Right? We, don't, we don't need these cathartic, intense breathwork sessions to get us back to the present, to get us anchored in. We can do seven 21 minutes something like that somewhere yeah, between i love seven box and 21 breath.
1: Minutes.
0: it's something i talk about a lot yes book. yeah so box and circle they each have mm-hmm. their own mm-hmm. um specificity but that's that's honestly where i
1: would begin you know and i i, I was rambling so much i even forgot your question <laughs> no that's it's a great <laughs> but, one it's yeah so just continuing down this path one i want to talk about safety and what exactly that means i had ton Col on you know certainly sovereignty and safety are a huge factor yes um in in your growth in your evolution uh in your proclamation um in, in getting to like the autonomous self and and the beauty therein Explain to me, like, what this idea of safety is, and it's, I think some people might think, like, I'm not being punched in the face, therefore I'm safe. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of layers to safety and how that can play out on all the levels of, of the being, and psychosomatic, and epigenetics, mm-hmm. and, you know, all these things, like we talked about. Like, what is what is safety? Ha! Ah. I've never had somebody
0: ask me that. And what I what I can say in my current level of understanding about what safety is now, I think safety is the understanding that at any moment you could die and that you're not dead yet. Life is a gift. We're here still. So if you're still here and you can breathe, then you can choose. You know, it's written on my arm in Italian, "Se posso respirare, posso scegliere." And that means if I can breathe, I can choose if I can, if you and I can still, we can still breathe. If if we're not being choked, if we're not underwater, if we're still here. And for the majority of us in the United States, like we have food, we have water, we have shelter, we have breath. If you have those four things, you're safe for the most part. You're, You're safe. So safety is this understanding that at any moment we could die and that we're not dead yet and that we're here and this is a gift that we get to be here. And then also I would say, you know, to stack on top of that, safety is something that, you know, there's there's rational fear and there's irrational fear. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can create my own safety because I say so. And I also can create my own safety if I do not indulge in irrational fears. But if I indulge myself in irrational fears, then... Safety is going to be harder for me to, to, to really experience and to live a life of safety. But I, I think at the end of the day, safety is an understanding that n- there is no safety. There, there's no such thing as 100% safety. I could go home right now and I could get hit by a car. So could you. Now, of course, we don't want to focus on that because, you know, the more you focus on something, the more it comes into your life. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to drive home totally safe. <laughs> totally safe and see my son and, and be with Carrie and, and live my life. Well, I'm excited for that. But safety is a really interesting one because the last thing I'll say is I actually think that society is built as a construct in the matrix that monetizes our quest and our thirst for safety. Right. right. But there is no such thing as safety to live is to die and to die is unsafe. So whenever I go into any situation, how can I cultivate true, 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 true gratitude for just being here with you today? Right. For being able to do what we do. And then that can shift us to a place of temporary safety. Because when you're grateful, even if you're on a ship in a storm in the middle of the ocean, you're still alive. You still can breathe. You're, a, you're in a heightened state. You know, there's ways to make you more safe. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I think safety is, is fundamentally an illusion an illusion that we are addicted to, but you know, to stack on top of that, there is this element of rational fear and irrational fear. Something that's rational needs attention, so something that's irrational, it just needs the gift of goodbye.
1: It's it's an interesting um, paradox, if you will, that, <laughs> it we're, is a that we're we're safer than we've ever been, but we feel more unsafe than we ever have. It's really fascinating. And to your point, yeah. There's a lot of NLP marketing positioning, governmental power, control structures, you know, whatever that are there for a reason to leverage that. And if we are stuck at the bottom of Maslow's pyramid, if we're, you know, at this foundational position of am I safe? Then we certainly will not get to self-actualization or yeah. a higher level of living if we're consistently here and then we create that. Conditioning around that, like kind of a Pavlovian conditioning <laughs> of like all of our. I mean, you want to talk about Pavlov? I mean, think about, you know, if we're looking at our eye watch and there's, you know, some, you know, thing that dings up every two seconds about the end of the world or, you know, the pandemic or, you know, COVID or China or Elon Musk or, you know, all these things that it's like intense and it's like you're like, you're here, like all the time. You're, you really can't be vibrating here. Mm. So, for you, I mean, you want to stay well informed. You want to be knowledgeable of the world going on around you. How do you counterbalance? Like, and, and I know you've you've had uh, your thoughts and <laughs> that you've put out certainly in um, uh, your position on the pandemic if you will mm-hmm. yeah. and everything that's been going on and certainly there's been at the root of that a divisiveness that's happened societally um but again you know i could go back to nlp with you know if there's one choice we all agree if there's three or more choices we have to talk if there's two choices and you chose one then the other one must be wrong and you don't need to talk you know, this is, it's very NLP that we have two choices Republican, Democrat. Oh, yeah. You know, liberal, uh, whatever, like conservative. Yeah, you're either for or you're against. for or against Mass. It's like, well, isn't there you, another you, position? Yeah, you talk to people <clears> and it's like, are you for or against Mass? And it's like, it's always like a kind of like long answer. It's not just like one or the other. Are you a Trumper, or Sean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, you know, how do you navigate that to have some level of being informed and information mm. without going down this rabbit hole of like these things consuming you or being a slave to them. And like, of course the, and, and it's so manipulative, like the more, um, shocking these things are, like the more we want to share the fear with other people and connect in this way. Yeah. You know, the, there's so a lot of people that want to connect with other people and and they do it via shared fear dude so So i mean you're 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 someone that i think would be perfect to answer this all right let's think about
0: at the core of every need every human need there is something that wants to be satisfied right so if i'm and i remember the first time i ever heard of this was actually jason silva on brain games. I don't know if you remember that Mm -hmm. TV series. Mm -hmm. And he said that when the research was done about why tribes have acted like they've acted for so long, for millennia, it's because we actually have empathetic wiring in our brain. Some people, 5% psychopaths, they don't have it. (laughs) Right? But the rest of us, 95% of us, have this empathetic wiring where if one winter we are low on corn, well then the other tribe comes and gives us corn because the last winter we gave them corn. And so we have this baked into us this tribalism baked into us where we actually want to live with a tribe of like-minded people, even if that means we believe in masks. We're a tribe that believes in masks, or we're actually a tribe that just believes in the immune system. And we don't believe that you need to wear a mask. There is a middle ground on this. And I think the only way that we find a middle ground is to hold all of it at once and say, okay, from an objector's uh, perspective, what is the human need that's wanting to be nourished here? because it's not about the thing. The thing is actually the veil. It's kind of like you, you've seen the movie. Um, I just watched it. My mom came for the holiday and uh, wizard of Oz. So mm-hmm. the wizard and the wizard of Oz, there's the, the Oz who's behind the curtain and he's shouting and he's controlling. And then Toto, the dog pulls the curtain away and there he is. Oz was actually the man behind the curtain. So the man behind the curtain in all of us is really, we're saying one thing, But behind what we're all either individually or collectively saying is really just a human need. Right. It's a human need that we're saying. It's not about the masks or not. It's not about the, is my immune system safe or not? It's just, it's more about, I have a need for sovereignty. I I personally, I have a need for sovereignty. I have a need for freedom. I have a need for autonomy. Those are my human needs. And so those don't mean that I'm in a camp. I have to practice. We all have to practice to be able to hold all of this stuff. We have to practice what's called healthy detachment. And there's a way to be healthily detached. There's also, in a paradox, an unhealthy way to be, a, to be unattached. It's like if I, if I just don't care about anything, I'm a nihilist. Hmm. And I don't give a shit about anything. But if I have, and I believe I might have said this incorrectly, what I'm trying to say is healthy detachment. If I'm healthily detached from something, it doesn't mean that I don't care. It doesn't mean that I don't care about the people that lost their lives from, from CD19. or It doesn't mean that I you know, believe that the immune system is perfect, so we should always put ourselves in every situation where we could get sick. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's, it's not either one thing or another. It's can I detach, can I look way above even our conversation right now, and can I, can I look at what is the human need that's wanting to be nourished? And can I address that human need? And, and can the conversation go less about red and white, for or against? And can it really just be like, well, what are we actually all wanting here? But the media and the government and the controllers that be don't want us to have that conversation. They don't.
1: Those are powerful tools. Like In, in, NLP, in NLP, you have this uh, you have the arguments where you take your own position then you get into the other position of the person you're arguing with yeah and argue from their perspective back to you and then the third position you're an observer looking down on both these people and talking about the argument yes so it's very powerful to be in all three positions also in business there's the idea of red team and blue team that you need to attack the idea that you just gave and try and tear it all down and uh, those are, v- like, speaking of state change, like, that's very powerful to get out of your own feels, your own yeah. ego, and like you're saying, kind of uh, detach from the charge and look at it more observationally, God's eye view, if you will. Yeah. That's powerful. And, of course, to look at it from the other person's perspective. To your point, those are powerful lessons to understand, like, what are... The the emotions that they're experiencing right now, like what are their needs? Like, you know, what is it they're coming to the table with and, mm. and recognizing their humanity in the process. Right. Yeah. And also having compassion for other
0: people, not because I'm right and they're wrong. It's, it's mm. not about that. It's more like, huh, at least from the training and from the awareness that I have, that I truly have, I can recognize the argument here of the the black, the white, the red, the blue, I can recognize this argument as not actually about the argument at all. It's about the the human need that's not being talked about, that's not being fulfilled. That's the type of awareness I mean. And and it doesn't make me, again, doesn't make me better. Mm -hmm. It doesn't doesn't make other people less than. It's more like, oh, can we actually have a, a true discussion together from that observer? And can we do it in a way where it serves everyone? And it's okay that this person thinks the way they think. It's okay the way I think what I think. And it's okay that we actually naturally separate a little bit, go to our camps, learn, and come back together again. That's a way better human evolution than I'm on this side, you're on that side. And talk about energy. That is the biggest energy drainer in the world. Whenever I believe something and I am not open to anyone else's point of view, that will drain me more than anything because where else does that show up in my own discovery of trauma, in my own discovery of things that are in my shadow? It's the, same, it's the same thing. When I'm not willing to look at other people and the way they think and live, I'm definitely not willing to look at the way that I could be living better in myself and that is one of the biggest energy drainers we could ever experience.
1: Overattachment is going to prevent resilience. Yes right and, yeah. and you can't be resilient in, in a variety like ease could be it's it's a degree of perception um so you know that you have trained yourself to deal with being comfortable and the uncomfortable and you can have ease because of that training because of that mindset so this gets into so we've talked about you know depression and what it feels like to to move through that and, yeah. and have that we've talked about uh changing your state and you know avoiding some of these toxic relationships or thought processes now moving into what bright looks like you know what is what is best case like mm. how like what is this resilient energized human being look like and how is that expressed and manifest I think when we talk about a vibrancy the word that came to mind is
0: like vibrant like the lights growing like very potent very vibrant it has to come from a place of honesty the times in my life where Mm. I haven't shined is because I just wasn't being honest with myself about something Mm. I wasn't being honest with myself about my partner, about my chosen endeavor, about a relationship that I was ignoring, like a healing that needed to occur. You know, the things that dim our lights are the things that we're not willing to look at. Mm. So, when I feel a lack of vibrancy, a lack of energy, yes, it absolutely could be a supplemental issue, a brain issue, a hormonal issue. Like, those things are real. So, I'm not, I'm not discrediting or, or discounting those. But I would say, like, it's probably Pareto principle for that. It's probably 20% of the time it's a hardware thing where it needs some intervention. But but I would say chicken or egg as well. 80% of the time, it's an emotional, spiritual issue. It's a malady of some kind that is wanting attention that manifests itself in a hardware issue that then we apply the 20% of healing to. But man, if you look at, you know, and I I went through a, a training with mike dillard and scott jackson recently called rewire and it was about rewiring your mind for wealth it was an introduction to nlp i know you've done a lot deeper training into nlp but i started to just try on the sweater and be like okay if anything that's going on with my body my energy my health my vitality my glow if i can truly 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 be at cause for that not at fault because there's a difference between being at cause and being at fault there's Some a judgment. There. Someone who's sexually abused—that's not their fault, right? That's not your fucking fault, right? But it's empowering when you can say, "All right, well, how can I be a cause for this? Can I use this to bring awareness to sexual abuse? Can I? Can I? Or somebody that's had physical violence, or somebody that's had um, pathogens, or somebody that's had um, a lot of physical abnormality, like digestive issues or whatnot—all the things that we go through." Can we be at cause for those Mm -hmm. and then teach and share and and glow? Can we glow from being at cause to the things that happened for us, even if they were really fucking hard, Mm -hmm. even if they were really hard? That I think is what makes our light shine. You know, that's what makes us glow is that aspect. And of course, you know, woven into this conversation, Sean is, is something that I've been feeling really strong about for about a year now or more. And that is, the wellness quadrant of the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, it actually for me morphed into a Pentagon about a year ago and that was financial. So we all signed up to be here. We all are on planet earth at this time in our meat suits on, in a rock in the middle of outer space. We signed up for money. Like money is good because money is energy and I like energy. You know, we're sitting here talking about energy Money is energy. So it's not, it's not a woo-woo thing. It's actually a spiritual thing because you know, I got love for you. I have respect for you. That's an energy. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here sharing energy. I have love and respect for money mm-hmm. because for a long time in my life, I didn't because I wasn't aware of the wounding and the projections that I had around money. That can be another drain of people's energy. So mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial health is really what I call the wellness pentagon. And in that pentagon, those are the aspects of self that really get to be nourished so that we can truly live our life well and have energy, you know? But it's a it's a paradox because when one starts to to lack, the others start to get taken from. So if my mental health is suffering, it might start taking from my physical health. If my financial health is suffering, it might start taking from my mental health. So all of these pieces, it's like a house, you know a roof that's slanted and then walls and a floor. a pentagon is is strong because when things uh, oppose it, when things come down and challenge it, it has the wherewithal, just like a bridge that goes over a, uh, a a cliff or a chasm when when pressure is applied downward, when we receive pressure, if our house is strong, if our pentagon is strong, then we can withstand anything we can withstand any any demand on it so i really think it's a it's a decision that we make it's a, it's a loving decision that we make and that we cultivate and tend to over time
1: so I'll, this is brilliant I, I literally could go on for hours with you and, and god i want to do that um but we'll do it again we, we will yeah um you bring up an interesting point um there's A number of people I've talked to that that talk about, you know, kind of like these bar graphs or like whatever it is of these different areas of your life. Yeah. And it does feel like at times that when one is excelling, I can tell you this for certainty in my life this has played out. Yeah. That when one is going up, it's like the other one is suffering. Think, let's like go to like a Steve Jobs or, you know, Elon Musk. Like these people are excelling financially, career home life you know what all this stuff is like getting wrecked right yeah and um and you know or michael jordan or tiger woods it's like they're at the peak of their physical prowess of their careers and then just everything comes tumbling down or will smith or you know these kinds of people that we've seen like this 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 is real it plays out so is there any strategy to kind of while you're maximizing one area, focusing on one area, that you can also bring up others or not have them uh, fall down as easily. I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> it's It's an um, interesting question so I just, uh, uh, if you have insight there um,
0: yeah, the only insight I have is is really, I think going back to that barometer of honesty, like mm-hmm. so currently in my life. Mm. we have so carrie's pregnant with our second child Mm -hmm. and so she needs more support nova my son needs a certain type of support my business (laughs) thanks my business needs a certain type of support my friendships need so i have a lot of things that ask for my support and i think the the deciding factor in my ability to give support is a really really clear understanding of what is my purpose what am I here to do? And is every decision, and I really mean that, like drinking this drink, sitting here with you. What kind of car do I drive? Like everything, all my, all my little decisions or my big decisions, are they aligned with the ultimate, the ultimate question for me? And that is, is what I'm about to do in alignment with my purpose? In alignment with my purpose. And my purpose is to learn and share how do I live my life well? Like I'm real, I'm, I know my purpose. You know, there's a lot of years where I didn't know it. And so now that I know it, I'm like, okay, will this conversation with Sean help me live my purpose? Absolutely. Mm. Will this soda water help me live my purpose? Yes, because it nourishes my body and that helps me show up in the Pentagon. So, so if something comes at me that starts to want to take away from one of the five to your question, I can lovingly say no. And by the way, sometimes I don't and then I learn what drains me. And then when the opportunity come back, comes back around again, I, I say no that time. And, it, and I would say the number one thing is like, can I have a, a navigator or an arbiter of really allowing the things in that are aligned with my purpose or, or letting go of the things that are not? That's the number one. And then from there, obviously, there's like what you do in your life, giving people formulations and supplementation that will really help them, that helps to strengthen the Pentagon as well. But I would say that, that those things are an external locus of control when really the internal locus of control is, what am I willing to say no to? Am I willing to say no to someone or something that's not in alignment with my purpose? That is the ultimate balancer or equalizer to, to filling all five sides of the Pentagon.
1: That's powerful. Uh, yeah, I have found that... It's a potent form of self-love that is rarely talked about is setting boundaries. Yeah. So final question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I freaking love you. And this has been super <laughs> enlightening to me and I know to everyone. The Energy Formula is, is the name of my book, The Chorus. Like if, and we've talked about, like the last 20 minutes have really been essentially your ideas around that. Mm. But one one aspect one idea that you could give us that would give you more energy a formula for energy like what is like you know your your 10 second best uh way that you feel more energized or if you were to tell someone they're lacking energy What is it? And we've mentioned a few, but I'm curious. God, that's so hard. One thing? One thing. All
0: right. Well, you know what's honest for me now is um, when I eat dinner, I've been eating dinner earlier with Mm -hmm. my son and with Carrie, and I have so much less disruptions to my sleep that's already disrupted quite a bit. So I would say for all of us, we could all benefit from just this one thing, and that is eat dinner earlier. Eat dinner earlier? And and from like 7 to 10 or 11, whenever you go to bed, just drink water and just allow your digestive system to chill because all day yeah. long, it's, you know, from our stress and from our food, it's like yeah. working all the time. Yeah. So I would say real simple, lowest hanging fruit, like eat dinner earlier with your family, make dinner intentional, sit with the people you love and share about your day and, and do what we're doing, which is like yeah. connect, you know, be old school. Connection is old school. Phone is new school. Like. Put the phone away. We're not going to learn as much from new school as we are from the old. So sit with each other, do that, and then let go of food. If you have cravings or whatnot, there's little things you could do. You could have some like stevia and some water mm-hmm. or something. But I would say that's been a big one is like, eating earlier and then that's not great. not eating so much. Like Not even having snacks. Like Feeling the hunger and just being like, you know what? That's not worth me sacrificing my sleep right now.
1: Yeah, Dr. Sachin Panda's data yeah. like revolves around that circadian rhythm, like basically trying to eat during the, the daylight window. Yeah. in um, yeah. our sleep wake cycle and, and mm. what would be natural. Like it wouldn't be natural that at like eight o'clock at night when it's pitch black outside that we'd be like somehow eating if we were living, you know, sure. out out in the world. Uh, That's so, so I true. love that. And uh, Thomas DeLauer, who's, who's a friend of mine, believes that the intermittent fasting window of like a sixteen and eight is better executed with the dinner being the one that you actually skip. If you were to do that that way, hard thing is Whoa. with family, right? It's a real thing, yeah. To try and have yeah. that time, so I agree with what you're saying. Probably the way I would execute it is, you know, given all that, is to probably just do it earlier and. Uh, and then you know start your day a little bit later as a result but i yeah. love that that's yeah. a great piece of advice i love you thank you for doing this with me it's been invaluable love I, you too man this is like great. i mean i would do this for free of course <laughs> this is just amazing uh and um i can't wait to do this again i just i literally want to talk for hours more to you we could so thank we you very much did. for for showing up you, i appreciate Sean. you brother thanks for having me all right yeah
0: There's a part of you that is excited about the year ahead. There's a part of you that knows where you've been in the year behind. But what is the part of you in the middle that knows you are already whole and complete and loved and accepted for exactly who you are? And what do you need to support that? To build a scaffolding of resources, people, supplementation, behavioral practices, anything and everything to remind you on a daily basis that you are loved, you are supported, and you're on the right path. There's only one place that I go, and that's joshtrent.com forward slash store. Whether it's home, kitchen, biohacking, sinus care, blood sugar, digestion, cognition, anything and everything when it comes to your wellness Pentagon, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial ways that you nourish yourself every single day, head over to joshtrent.com forward slash store. This is the only place for the best of the best, wellness tools, resources, supplements. Forget about hunting around in the ocean on the internet. I've put everything in one place for you to easily find and purchase at a deep discount. And you support the show. As you know, this podcast is brought to you for free by Wellness Force Media and myself. And so every single time you purchase something from the store page, you not only help yourself out and your wallet, but you also help the show. JoshTrend.com forward slash store. This podcast is brought to you by our trusted friends at Organifi, the creators of the Organifi Gold, my number one turmeric, lemon balm, and superfood adaptogen bombshell that, trust me, will make you sleep like a baby. I know this because I use it on the regular. Not only is this one of my top sleep supplements I use personally, but also it helps my nervous system and my stomach calm down at the end of the day in the evenings especially if I've had a stressful day. I know you have those too because you're human. (laughs) And because we're human, the best thing to do is take loving care of the human body, starting with quality sleep, not just quantity. This is going to allow you to have the highest quality of life possible. So if you've been struggling with sleep, give this superfood adaptogen powder, the Organifi Gold, a test drive for a special deal over at wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. Pick up a 30-day supply, give it a test drive. If you don't like it, you can send it back, but no one's ever done that, (laughs) as far as I've heard. 20% off is the biggest discount you'll find over the entire internet. We're grandfathered in. These savings are for you. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi and use the code wellnessforce. Share this with your friends, your family, and anyone who wants to drink the gold and sleep well.